This is the Movie Hall of Fame class of 1992 for Saturday, May 11th, 2019. Late, but better late than never, Adam Hall. Well, we're back. It took us long enough, I guess. This is this has been pushed off for way too long, I think. When did we actually nominate this? Three weeks ago. Holy shit. And then we took a little detour into the MCU. There was a movie that came out called Avengers Endgame. I've never heard of it. Yeah, neither have I. Like Werner Herzog. Yep. Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've been teasing this episode for a while, and now we're finally going to do it. Six movies nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame mm-hmm. for the year 1992. Only one will get in. Yeah. And today, Adam Hall, Nico's got the keys to the castle. Yeah, it's my fault. It's my fault. Ultimately, you made a deal with the devil. I know blood sacrifice. Is, I, I could, you know, I would sacrifice most things for Alien. I think. <laughs> well, you just, you know, sacrificed a lot. <laughs> oh boy, you've given me a lot of power. Am I? Am I going to regret this? What do you think? I mean, I like. <sighs> what do you think? Hmm. There's there are two movies on this list where if you pick them, I would be severely disappointed. There are two movies. If I pick two of them, you will be disappointed. It. it <laughs> If you eliminate all of them and you boil it down to those two, either one you go with, I'm just going to be like, okay. Okay. So the other four you're okay with? Is that what you're saying? I'm more okay. (laughs) You're more okay with four, but really you have it boiled down to two in your head, right? That you'll go with? No, that you would go with. Oh, that I would go with? Uh, Or do you have one picked out? No, I'd say there's... No, you know what? There's two, but it's probably not the two that you would expect. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have two. Yeah. I'll be honest. There are a couple ways I could see this going. And I haven't made my decision yet. I'm actually coming into this open-minded. I've been teasing you for a couple weeks. I am coming in open-minded. Fucking with me is is the the clinical term. That's what you've been doing. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. I have been inserting my penis into you. Which is always nice, but here it's just... (laughs) It's it's foul. Right. It's not consensual at all. Yeah, I've been messing with you. I have... um, uh, I, I have teased a couple movies that you would not like to get in, possibly getting in. I will say I am open to those getting in, though. I'm actually open to all six of them. Okay. Even though there's one movie on here that I can sort of take it or leave it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I can't wait to find out what that's going to be. Oh, you'll love it. <laughs> you'll love it. <laughs> It'll, that'll be a lively conversation. The six movies nominated for induction this week are Aladdin, A Few Good Men, Basic Instinct, Glengarry, Glen Ross, Reservoir Dogs, and Unforgiven. Good list. I would say, yeah, a really good list. Pretty good list. Should we talk about the year 1992 and then get things going? Yeah, why not? Highest grossing movie of 1992 is... Hmm. Hmm. What the fuck is... Hmm. Uh, Aladdin. Correct. Yeah. Followed by The Bodyguard at two. Really? Home Alone 2, Lost in New York at three. That that should have been on here, by the way. Basic Instinct at four. Really? Oh. Smashing Success at the box office. And Lethal Weapon 3 at five. Close it out with Batman Returns, A Few Good Men, Sister Act, Bram Stroker's Dracula, and Wayne's World. Those okay. are the five. Interesting. Four movies. In the National Film Reg... Actually, we'll get to that in a second. Let's do this. Uh, at the Oscars that year. Cool year for the Oscars. Best yeah. Picture goes to Unforgiven. Yep. Among a, nominee, a nominated class of The Crying Game, A Few Good Men, Howard's End, and Scent of a Woman. 
Clint Eastwood wins Best Director for Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Al Pacino, Best Actor for Scent of a Woman. The beginning of the end, some might say. Yeah. Some of those people, including me. Best Actress to Emma Thompson for Howard's End. Best Supporting Actor to Gene Hackman for Unforgiven. And Best Supporting Actress to Marissa Tomei for My Cousin Vinny. Vinny. Which I just watched the other night, by the way. For the first time? Uh, no, 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 no. But I, I just love that movie. I love it, too. I love that movie. Long list of honorable mentions this year. Oh, God, yeah. Here they were. This is, man, one of my favorite movie years. Wayne's World. My Cousin Vinny. White Man Can't Jump. Batman Returns. One of my favorite Batman movies. Not going to lie to you. I mean, I, I don't I don't love it, but I'm, I don't hate it as much as some people. I'm more on your side, I'll say. My favorite of those original movies. Really? Yeah. I like it better than the first one. Ooh, now that I will disagree with. I like it way better. Okay. I love DeVito. I love Pfeiffer. Interesting. Love the Christmas I love, atmosphere. I do love Pfeiffer, but I mean, uh, how could you not love Pfeiffer? How, especially in that role. <laughs> Sneakers, pretty good hacker movie. You ever seen that? No. Robert Redford, pretty good. Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. I wanted to nominate it. I like that movie. It's Michael okay. Mann. It's okay. Daniel Day-Lewis. It's okay. I don't normally like movies like that, but I like that movie. Interesting. That's surprising that you like that movie. That's not... Because I'm not a big Braveheart or Dances with Wolves guy. Oh, I, lo- I love Braveheart, but Dance with Wolves, eh. Last of the Mohicans is my favorite of those three. Interesting. Okay. The Mighty Ducks. Under Siege, a favorite of ours. <laughs> Jesus. You're, you're not going to include Lethal Weapon on this list? No. Okay, because I will. Lethal Weapon 3, you mean? Oh, Lethal Weapon 3? Yeah. I thought you said Lethal Weapon. No, Lethal Weapon 3. So Lethal Weapon 87? Yes, I think we did that already for that year. We didn't put Lethal Weapon on the list. No, but we talked about it. Okay. Now this is by the time Pesci had been well acquainted with the Lethal Weapon universe. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> whatever Leo wants, Leo gets. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Bram Sto- uh, Stoker's Dracula. You defend this movie, right? Yeah, sure. It's easy to defend because it's not a bad movie. I've never seen it. It's just very weird and so- uncomfortable and some odd choices. This is about you know when when we- I guess when we start questioning uh, Coppola, but. You know? Yeah. Assuming... Well, Godfather 3, I think. Which I don't even hate the Godfather 3. What? I don't hate it. How? It's not that bad. It's, not it's that... bad, dude. No. Dude, that movie's bad. No. That movie's not a good movie. No. I think it was nominated for Best Picture. It's terrible. Yeah. It's not that bad. Sofia Coppola sucks, but... <laughs> He's so bad in that. But, you know, what do you want? <laughs> she just, not the whole movie. And Pacino's awful in it, too. I wouldn't say that. It's fine. Can't wait to argue about that one day. <laughs> I'm not going to nominate it. <laughs> Malcolm X. Eh, okay. Mm-hmm. Don't mind. It's okay. It's an alright movie. It's a good movie. Bad Lieutenant. Oh, like the Bad Lieutenant? Yes, not the Werner version. You ever seen the original? No. Kaitel. Is oh, it good? You get, a, you get a nice look at that juicy Kaitel cock. Why are, why are we always in search of the movies that are looking for the cocks of our actors? <laughs> One of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. Really? Oh, yeah. NC-17. Uh, it's NC-17? Yeah. What's, oh, it's a brutal movie. It's just brutal? What do you mean? It's like, what's so disturbing? Well, he's it? a bad guy, this bad lieutenant, as the title implies. What does he do that's so bad? Uh, sexually assaults people and, oh. you know, harasses people he pulls over on the street and is corrupt. and oh. It's yeah. too bad. Have you ever seen I Spit on Your Grave? No. Okay. Come back to me when you have. Okay. <laughs> Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, the best Home Alone movie, Don't At Me. <laughs> Scent of a Woman, the beginning of the end for Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. The Crying Game, another erotic thriller of sorts. Haven't seen it. 
Do you know the twist of the crying game? No. Wow. You've managed to avoid the twist of the crying game? Well, don't tell me. I won't, but check it out, dude. Okay. All right. Chaplin? I like Chaplin. Downey? Pretty good. Yeah. He's good in that movie. Yeah, he is. And A League of Their Own. Yeah. I think a movie I like more than you. No. Okay. No, I love that movie, kind of. <laughs> I love that movie, kind of. I could have argued that it should have earned a spot on the list, but Maybe. Th- that's okay. Nah. It's not the greatest loss. No crying in baseball. Yes. Okay, National Film Registry. This is interesting. Four movies nominated. Mm-hmm. Those are? You are never going to guess these, but I'll let you guess anyway. Go ahead. Aladdin? No. <sighs> Reservoir Dogs? No. Yeah. From 1992. Yes. No, Adam, from 1988. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't be an asshole, you cunt. That's the game we're playing, dude. Shit. Uh, a few good men. No. No. You are 0 for 3. Well, that's no good. One more shot. Take it. 1992? Yes. Hold on a second. You've... No, don't play. The... I, I'm not going to. We don't have time for I, this. I don't got any fucking we got, guesses. We got, no, we got six movies to get to. Just take a guess. I, I don't know. A Trip to the Moon. <laughs> no. Your four nominees. A League of Their Own. <laughs> Malcolm X. El Mariachi. Robert Rodriguez. Why is that inducted? <laughs> and Unforgiven. Those are your four inductees. Not Reservoir Dogs? Strange list, right? Uh, okay. Really weird. It's time to right the wrong, though. Sure. Because we are the new National Film Registry. <laughs> we are better than they will ever hope to be. We will get to the bottom of this once and for all. Are you ready to do it? Yeah. So here's how this goes. Yes. Make your case. I will listen. I may do something in order to spite you. You never oh. know how this goes. But I get to choose the winner at the end of this game. Okay. All right? Okay. So, let's begin with Aladdin, shall we? Yes. Aladdin is a movie mm-hmm. with uh, cartoon people in it. It is. Written and directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, who are staples of the Disney animated empire. You may recognize their work in The Great Mouse Detective, The Little Mermaid, Hercules, Treasure Planet, The Princess and the Frog, and Moana. They're still working with Disney to this day. They've done a lot of those movies. Based on Aladdin and the Magic Lamp from 1001 Nights, the classic Islamic tale, starring Scott Weinger, Linda Larkin, Gilbert Gottfried, and of course Robin Williams, won the Oscar for Best Original Song for the song A Whole New World, and won Best Original Score, was also nominated for Best Sound and Best Sound Effects Editing. Interesting. An interesting selection for this month because in but two weeks a new film by the same name will be released directed by guy ritchie starring a blue will smith the aladdin remake comes out in two weeks are they just going for this aladdin remake whole hog oh they're going for it Uh, i had no idea it was guy ritchie by the way yeah i was like well this looks awful who's direct oh did that give you optimism or not i don't mind guy i love uh uh, snatch and i love lock stock and two smoking barrels yes so you know like and, and uh and i know you don't give a shit about the uh sherlock Holmes. i films. hate them i like the first one i don't care much for the second one but yeah i'll tell you what's not bad what man from uncle oh you you actually saw man yeah from uncle? i saw it i saw it not bad i saw it too you like it 
It's okay. It's tight, right? Yeah, it's tight. It's, it's pretty good, fun. It's decent. It is what it is. I Henry Cavill just needs to like die. Right. I'm I'm, I'm convinced <laughs> that someone needs to kidnap him and like chop his head off and bury him somewhere, which could be me tomorrow. I kind of like him in Mission Impossible, though. I know you. do. I think we talked about that. I know you I? do. Yeah, I, I feel like they used him correctly <laughs> for once. Uh, no, I, I kind of like Man from Uncle though. It's it's okay. Yeah. Um, you nominated this movie. Yeah. I'll say this. Um, this era of Disney movie, and I include Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Golden Era. Maybe. Maybe. Arguable. They're like not even movies to me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they're like so ingrained in who I am as a person. Yeah. And they hit me at such an age. Like I watched Aladdin probably at the first time when I was four years old. Yeah, me too. They're almost bigger than that. I don't judge them in the way that I judge most movies. So I kind of have a hard time talking about this one as its own movie. Objectively, you mean at this point? Cause sure. Because they're so our generation films. Like it is essentially like this and like Toy Story, you know? Right. For me. Well, see, I, I would put Lion King above them. Yes, um, as would I. And I think the more I've seen this movie, the more I realize it's not one of the best Disney movies. I think if you were to look at it objectively, if you were like 25 when you saw them for the first time, you wouldn't go that crazy for Aladdin. Mm-hmm. But again, I have an impossible time doing this because it's just, it's a part of me. It's fucking Aladdin. Yeah, man. It's like my, it's like another one of my family members. It's like my cousin that I would see every few months. That's what Aladdin is. Even if your cousin, he's not the best cousin. He's nah. Like a, he's like a second or third best cousin. He's been in and out of juvie a couple yeah. times. But <laughs> he's not that bad. Nah, he's, 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 he's okay. a good guy. He's got a good heart. You know, doesn't always bring booze to the party, you know? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. I just loved revisiting Aladdin every time I saw it. Yeah. And the other thing is, of course, um, Robin Williams is a tour de force in this movie. Yeah, it's one of his best performances, oddly. Yeah, let's talk about that. Where do you rank this in the all-time Robin performances? As far as like greatness is concerned, yeah. Number two behind Goodwill Hunting. Well, uh, well, I heard your case a long time ago, which was, and I and I flipped on a movie. <laughs> Not oh so no! Long, not so long ago. Are we are we about to talk about Doubtfire? And I was like, "Is that what's happening?" Here? I was like, I was sitting there with Abby. I'm like, "Hey, Abby, it 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 might be Mrs. Doubtfire." Nico's right. <laughs> Nico might be right. <laughs> you just woke up in a cold sweat. <laughs> Holy shit! Nico's right about something. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, it could be Mrs. Doubtfire. Here, here's my ranking. It could go Mrs. Doubtfire, Aladdin, Goodwill Hunting, One Hour Photo. Good list. Does that, does that sound okay? Dead Poet at five? Yeah. I do. I actually will say I like One Hour Photo more than, uh, well, not the movie, but uh, his performance. His performance in yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Um, I guess you can make an argument for Awakenings. Okay. Uh, Fisher King, he's really good. I have not seen Fisher King yet, which yeah. is weird because I love Terry Gilliam. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, no, I would, I would say that's about right. He, I've heard the case be made that he um, broke the barrier for big movie stars in animated movies. Mm-hmm. If you look at like the lineage of Disney movies, like it, it wouldn't be that the biggest stars were the voice talent. Yeah. A lot of time, Disney wouldn't overpay for big stars because you didn't see them. When you paid for a movie star, you wanted to be able to see them on screen. And Robin was sort of the first huge name 
to voice an animated movie. He got paid significantly less than he would normally be paid for something like this. And after he does Aladdin, you have this domino effect of Tom Hanks doing Toy Story. Um, and, uh, you know, Billy Crystal and John Goodman doing Monsters, Inc. Now you have to get a big star attached to your animated movie. Mm-hmm. And that didn't used to be the case. Robin proved that he could play within the boundaries of animation in a really creative and interesting way. And it's it's almost like because the movie is animated, he can go bigger than he could normally. Oh, God. On yeah. screen. His personality almost shown was shown more when you didn't see his face. It was tailored more for something like this. It's clear that he's having more fun on this movie than maybe any other film he, he was doing before. Yeah. And like, because... I, it's it's maybe more obvious to me now, but you know, obviously, when you're a kid, you don't understand how like a screenplay would normally work. But when you sit down and you watch this film, and you're like, "Oh yeah," so he he's coming up with everything on the spot, right? <laughs> Holy shit, this is good stuff. This is good comedy. And I remember reading about this film and someone being like, "This is one of like the I forgot how he ranked. I think he might have said that this is the best comedy performance ever for him." Yeah, I forgot who the comedian was, but he's like, okay. this is number one, the absolute best, and there's no competition. And I'm like, it could be one of the best. It's yeah. certainly one of the most iconic. I know there was a lot of talk at the time he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor because it was unlike anything they had seen before in animation. I, well, I wonder what it would have looked like in the booth of him performing this stuff, you know? Right. No, he, he's a cartoon character, yeah. this guy, in the best way. Yeah. And his talent is suited to that. It's almost like his genius is so hard to to contain in one person that you have to break the rules of reality in order to do it. Yeah, I know. Um, like a lot of this stuff, like when he when he's first let out of the lamp and he's doing <laughs> the stand up routine. It's so great. And then he's doing all these impressions. He does Jack Nicholson at one point, and the genie looks like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> My favorite is uh, I can't believe it. I'm losing to a rug. <laughs> because <laughs> when i'm a kid i'm like what the fuck was that and then i grew up i'm like oh that's that's brilliant right brilliant. like who 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 comes up with rodney dangerfield for no reason <laughs> like what only robin man it's, only robin oh, and so he probably good. caused so much work for the filmmakers too. oh my god yeah all the animators had to catch up to him and he's talking like a mile a minute but he's not well it's not just that though but also the managing the multiple characters he's playing and not just for the genie but for like that opening sure it's crazy he's going that's right he plays that character too it will not break it broke (laughs) zach loves that and i was like yeah it's 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 brilliant it's brilliant he improvised 16 hours of material for that movie (laughs) That would piss me off as an animator. I know. Well, here's the thing. As a director, I'd just be like, I, uh, I don't know. Okay, go. <laughs> It'd be the most frustrating thing, but I think as an animator. like, Or an editor. <laughs> I get to sit there combing through the best material. But then I think what you're doing, and you're like, even as, even though it's as frustrating, you have a lot to play with. Oh, my God. That's you have a, the, the biggest palette yeah. to ever play with as an animator. I will say this about this movie, is that I kind of agree that uh, it's not the best of like that animated trio that you were just referring to i mean honestly i think beauty and the beast could be my favorite yeah um it's either that or the lion king but um uh this is a case of a a singular performance elevating a film to a much higher status than would be otherwise and the funny thing about it is robin did that time and time and time again I, i i feel like if you were to compile a list of all the movies where the performance outweighed the quality of the movie robin has the longest list yeah i don't think there's anybody else that can that can claim that I can't think of it. Peter Sellers, I guess, maybe. That's it. Mm, yeah, potentially. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. 
he's amazing in this. Um, and yes, I, I agree with you. It is not one of the best of that era. Did spawn several sequels, direct to video sequels. <laughs> there was a TV series that ran for two years. I watched that. As I said, this is like so personal to me. I can't judge this against basic instinct. Like, what do you want me to do here? Yeah, I know. This is part of me. This is ingrained in me, this movie. I, I see what you're saying, and I I'm, I'm with you on that yeah. one. And I miss it. I miss this era of yeah. of Disney movies, and I miss the wonder that I used to have when watching them. You know, My dad's favorite Disney princess. Yes. Could be one of my favorites as well. I'm a big Jasmine fan. Who's your favorite Disney princess? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I gotta go Belle, personally. I gotta go Bell. Does Tinkerbell count? You would have sex with Tinkerbell? Well, is that what we're judging? Come on. <laughs> Be honest with me, man. <laughs> like, we're not splitting hairs here. Just, just fess up to it. Uh, yeah, Bell then. <laughs> okay. Well, I like that she's into beastly men. So. And you're a beastly man. Well, look at all his ha- look at all of his hair. I well, wish I'm, I wish we had a camera pointed at Nico right now. I'm big at least. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's Aladdin. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Let's move on. A few good men. He can't handle the truth. I know. You can't handle the truth, Adam. That this movie is incredible. Is it? All right, go ahead. Do your troll thing. Uh do it up. Well, I mean, I mean, no, no, I like this movie. No, I, I really, I like, I like most things about this movie. It's a solid film. It's got a great Nicholson performance. And Kevin Bacon's in it, and if Kevin Bacon's in a movie, I'll watch it. Dude, he's awesome in I this. Know. Kevin Bacon is awesome in yeah, this movie. Kiefer Sutherland, he failed to obey a direct I- order. <laughs> he's so evil. I know. And you know, Demi Moore's Demi Moore, yeah, whatever. Um, but Tom Cruise is also in it. You want you want my my brief history with this is I've talked a lot about Tom Cruise and my general disdain for Tom Cruise. <sighs> I hate this every time we do this. This is the movie that spawned my disdain for Tom Cruise. I fucking hate him in this movie so much that whenever this movie's on I turn it off. I've seen this movie maybe twice. I know obviously I've seen it, it that that one time all the way through I'm like most of that was good. But get Tom Cruise out of this otherwise great movie. He's sinking it down for me. I can't watch this shit. And then every time it's on, it's like, oh, God, Tom Cruise could not be more fucking obnoxious. I want him. I want him gone, people. I want him out of my life. I want him out of my few good men. And yeah, otherwise, I like the movie. Are you done? Uh, Yeah. I'm just twisting my bottle shut. I just took a drink. Few Good Men is directed by Rob Reiner, mm, yes. written by Aaron Sorkin, based on his play of the same name. As you mentioned, starring Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Pollack, and Kiefer Sutherland. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Mixing at the Oscars. Correct. Named number 29 on AFI's all-time movie quote list for You Can't Handle the Truth. Mm-hmm. And number five on the all-time courtroom drama list. Um, this is really getting old, Adam. Your, your act is really getting old. <laughs> Why? I'm sick of it. Your shtick is really old. It, it, there's Listen, to be more. <laughs> this is... Okay, this is really turning into... Whenever we talk about Tom Cruise, 
every like morning sports debate show <laughs> where it's like one guy thinks Tom Brady's the best and the other guy thinks Tom Brady's the worst and now they're going to yell each other about it. <laughs> you know, we could try to be civil about it. I feel this. like we sometimes have nuanced, interesting, articulate conversations about film on this we, podcast. Well, we usually do. Usually, usually I think. I think. But yeah. then we always brush up on this same problem. We, we, we you know, we, we, we run into the, 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 the Dunkirk thing. Or, right. Or the Tom Cruise thing. You know, or any, you know, anything Christopher Nolan related. You go, <laughs> Tom Cruise sucks, and I go, Tom Cruise is great, and we have such little middle ground on this. How are we supposed to have this conversation? I don't know. Adam. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Tom Cruise is fucking brilliant in this movie. And you need to come to terms with how good he is Tom in this. Cruise needs to bury his head in the sand. This is, this is such a great movie star role for uh, him. And it's, I will say this. One of the reasons why the movie works so well. He has to be both a vulnerable believable dramatic lead mm-hmm. and a charismatic movie star at the same time because the stuff going on in the courtroom is so over the top it is more theatrical than it is cinematic that's true it'd just be nice if tom cruise was charismatic at all dude but, he has but, so much goddamn charisma in this movie i think he's incredible in this and jack is awesome yeah jack is almost to this point so overrated he's underrated yeah i agree you know because it is such an iconic performance and such an iconic moment and it's only like 10 minutes of that that movie Mm -hmm. but his performance is so much more than that dramatic moment yeah he actually goes quiet in some scenes where you think he goes over the top and he shows a lot of restraint which he doesn't normally show Mm -hmm. i don't like demi Moore in this movie who likes demi Moore ever i think she's bad in this movie demi Moore's always bad i think she's the biggest flaw in this and as you said kevin bacon's really good kevin pollack is awesome yeah that's true uh it's a really good supporting cast it's i i would argue it is defined too much by that one scene, but if you look at it in its yes, totality, I, there is so much good screenwriting in there. Yeah, it's Aaron Sorkin. And that's what I love, though, man. Yes. That's what I'm a sucker for is an awesome script and a movie that sometimes seems like a play because it's just it is. so much pitter-patter, but I dig it. And every time it's on, I flip it on and I can't turn it off. Okay. It's so entertaining, not because it's an action caper, mm-hmm. but because it's awesome dialogue. It's people bitching at each other. And, I love and it. that's fun. Yeah. It's, I, I, just, I just wish, you know, like, like better casting for one role. Dude, you're just trolling at this point, bro. <laughs> I am not even Dude, trolling. Quit trolling. I, I, I can't properly explain how much I hate Tom Cruise in this movie. Just the, the smarmy piece of shit. That's the point, I dude. I fucking hate dude, him. Dude, that's the point. To hate him? Not the way that I hate him, No, he's okay? supposed to be smarmy. Yeah, no, no, no. But, but it's His okay. character's an egomaniac. It's okay if he's an... E- I like egomaniacs. I just don't like it when Tom Cruise is doing it. <laughs> I can't stand the way he does it. It's just so grating and uncomfortable. And I'm like, ugh. I want you just gone from this movie because you're detracting from any sort of entertainment value. It's just, uh, he's just a void. I hate him. I hate him. A void of what? I can't, uh, he's... Of attractiveness and charisma? There's no charisma. Because he's got all of it, dude. I have no sense of charisma with almost any Tom Cruise performance aside from, like, Rain Man. See, I honestly, I would make the argument this is his best performance. Uh, I seriously, I could make that, I'm not saying it is, I could make that argument. Born of the Fourth of July, Rain Man. Rain Man's better. All in the running. This is in the running as well. Like, and it could be the best Aaron Sorkin performance. Yeah. Beside maybe Social Network. Social Network. Uh Moneyball, he's Brad mm. Pitt's really good in it. 
I won't count West Wing. I, this might be my favorite Aaron Sorkin performance. Okay. Character that he's written. Okay. It's a really good movie, man. It is a good movie. I would say the only the only setback is is Rob Reiner. If I'm being honest, it's just not a very distinct visual movie, but, but that's because it's a Sorkin movie. It's a play as well. But again, you can take a Sorkin script and make it very visually interesting. Right. If you have David Fincher. Sure. Yeah. And and that isn't the case with Rob Reiner. No. And Rob Reiner went on to also direct American President with an yeah, Aaron Sorkin script. Which I also like. Yeah. Both of those movies feel like Aaron Sorkin projects, though, more than Rob Reiner projects. That's true. Yes. No. With this, Especially in this case. Yeah. So many good scenes in this. I agree. I love the scene where Kevin Bacon is interrogating the kid, mm. asking him, so uh, Code Red, where is that in the handbook? And then <laughs> Cruz goes up, can you point to the place in the handbook where the mess hall is talked about? <laughs> it's a great little bit. And Kevin Bacon immediately acknowledges, oh, you got me. It's an awesome dynamic between the two lawyers because they're sort of buddies, but they're also yeah. adversaries in the courtroom. I love that dynamic. Cruz and Nicholson at the end of this movie, they're just... It not only feels like a duel between the characters, it also feels like a duel between the actors. It's mm-hmm. like which one of you is going to one-up the other in this scene. And I still, to this day, don't know which one won that battle. They're both okay. so great in it. Isn't that always fun when actors are trying to you know, be the best? They're like, like trying to steal the scene? Yeah. It's an it's a interesting tension in, in any movie when it happens. Right. It happens in the Fast and Furious movies, unfortunately. <laughs> well, maybe, no, maybe not, unfortunately. <laughs> Very fortunately. But off screen, it's a different story. Yes. Apparently. But I just love that because it happens a lot in a few, uh, um, apparently some uh, Brian De Palma films. That's been a big issue. Like he's, what? He's literally talked to I, something with um, fucking, uh, uh, Dick, what's his name? Robertson? Something Robertson? Who played Uncle Ben in Spider-Man? Oh, yes. I'm blanking on that guy's name. The original guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's a specific movie that Brian De Palma directed and, uh, that entire movie was a struggle for him just because that actor was trying to steal every scene away from the lead. Okay. <laughs> and it was just them clashing on who was going to, you know, take it in the end. I guess you could also say Mad Max Fury Road with Tom and Charlize who fucking hated each other. Did they? Hated each other. Oh, I didn't know that. Hated each other. I remember them getting very mad um, at your boy. At George Miller. At George Miller. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and then, but I didn't know that they got mad at each other as well. Yeah. Well, because they're actors and they're asked to to not say anything. Sure. Actors hate that. Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. That being said, I don't think there was a lot of actual tension on set. No. Like you're describing, but there is just sort of an interesting one-upsmanship that I love. I love. I just love this movie. I find it so entertaining, and I'm always going to ride for a movie like this. And it's also very iconic. It's got an iconic yes, quote. Yes, no, I agree. You know, and, and an like, iconic I'm, scene and... I'm not taking anything away from the movie. I'm just taking everything away from Tom Cruise. Man. Because, you know. I'm not going to engage on this battlefield, bro. You know what I like him in? Tropic Thunder. In fact, I love him in Tropic Thunder. (laughs) That's a perfect role for him. I can watch that movie and be like, wow, you know what? I am entertained by Tom Cruise and his fat hands and his bald head and his stupid glasses and his big gut dancing at the end it's we need stuff. to have an intervention about this <laughs> you're gonna stop me and be with Zach what did tom cruise and- do to you as a child is what i want to know you have some unchecked aggression towards this man so let's move on to basic instinct okay. <laughs> basic instinct directed by paul verhoven written by joe esterhaas mm-hmm. starring michael douglas sharon stone and gene triplehorn yep nominated for best film editing and best original score also nominated for a few razzies Worst Actor, Worst Supporting Actress with Gene Triplehorn, and Worst New Star 
And that new star is listed as Sharon Stone's tribute to Theodore Cleaver. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so Theodore Cleaver, the star, of course, of Leave It to Beaver. So I think that's just a way of saying Sharon Stone's pussy. Yeah. I think they nominated Sharon Stone's pussy. Yes. For worst new star. Most paused scene in history, probably. Oh, by a mile. Like, do we do? We, uh, uh, oh, yeah, 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 we do. So I did a yeah, Google search for it. basic instinct. <laughs> and I swear to God, the first Google image search <laughs> was the freeze frame of her vagina. <laughs> the first one. That's uh, it's great. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. <laughs> um, by the way, Sharon Stone alleged that that leg crossing scene was filmed without her knowledge. And then she slapped Paul Verhoeven, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know but if she that's... still consented to it airing. I don't know if I believe her. I don't either. Yeah. Because she's really naked in this movie, and there's no way that this wasn't all in the script. Especially with her performance in that scene. Unless she was, like, really in character and she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't know she was crossing her <laughs> legs, and she didn't know she wasn't wearing underwear. I don't know. It's possible. She's supposed to be a seductress. That scene, of course, one of the most iconic... Of the 90s, I would say. Yes, so would I. A lot of controversy around this movie, including the depiction of homosexual characters as sadistic and evil. There's also a rape scene. Um, however, it went on to be a massive financial success, as we said, grossed a lot at the box office, and did very well on VHS for years and years to come. I wonder why. Yeah, I can only guess. So here's the deal with this movie. You nominated it. Yeah, of course. Um, I I like it. I think it's a pretty good noir crime movie. Mm -hmm. I think Sharon Stone is really hot in it. Mm -hmm. And that is like 90% of the reason why I love this movie. (laughs) Other than that, I'm not sure what elevates it from a trashy housewife paperback novel. Yep. So how about you explain that to me? It's got one of the best sex scenes ever. Ever. It's got a couple pretty good sex got a scenes. Pretty awesome sex scene there. You're talking about the one with Douglas and stuff? Yeah, of course I'm talking about the one with Douglas. Who doesn't want to watch that shit? It's great. Man, you see a lot of Sharon Stone in this. Yeah, you do. You see, you see all of Sharon Stone. Man. <laughs> she makes out with a woman at a couple points. <laughs> oh, that's the least of it. Oh, yeah. Least of it. Yeah. She's going all in on this. I, I, Jesus Christ. Because this is the first time. I, I think this is one of the first occasions, aside from maybe like Don't Look Now, where the sex scenes were like, whoa. Like we might be watching porn right now. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of that in here. Yeah. And it's, I remember seeing this for the first time and just being like, like stunned because I was really young when I first saw it. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like most instances in your life, yeah, we, you see things a little too early. Saw everything too early, including the outside world. Uh, there is no outside world. <laughs> Not of Harwinton, anyway. <laughs> no, I, I, this, this movie to, I mean, to, to me, this is, uh, like the the last film Hitchcock would have made had he lived this oh. long. This is the most Hitchcock film I, I've seen probably since Hitchcock died. Oh, more so than honestly any De Palma film. This so perfectly captures the tone and spirit and the movement of Hitchcock's films and even the look of his films to a certain extent. But also how perverted it is and how like suspicious and and creepy, but also violent it can get in ways that you can clearly see Hitchcock going towards. So uh, to me, I, I just watch it as Verhoeven's 
attempt at making like his version of a Hitchcock film because it feels like every director at some point does it honestly hmm. uh and in, in my opinion this is maybe the best uh uh maybe the best um uh what's the mimic of a Hitchcock film yeah if that makes sense like the clone app. yeah yeah the best Hitchcock clone and honestly it's it's a worthy feat aside from what you said it's it's trashy in a lot of ways but that's honestly that's a lot of Hitchcock's movies well it's also a lot of Verhoeven's movies oh god yeah Yeah, he always looked for high art in low places which and it's evident here as well yeah I I think that's one of his talents like a lot of his movies are B movie in subject matter Mm -hmm. but are flawlessly executed Starship Troopers Robocop Total Recall all of those movies are sort of you know B movie cheaply made yeah subjects i don't fault the crap i mean the thing i love about verhoven is his craftsmanship yeah especially in something like this and just how good he is at constructing this tiny kind of quiet and weird thriller you know that just there's goes weirder and weirder places and especially in the noir genre it's again it's kind of new for that yeah which i enjoy despite the fact that yeah it it can be a little like like you know uh questionable (laughs) i don't find the plot to be particularly engaging I just think the story as a mystery is sort of flat. Like there's there's not a ton of intrigue beyond the sex scenes. And I almost feel like they use the sex scenes as as a bit of a crutch at times. Yes. Because um, I'm not going to spoil the movie, but there's a conceit at the beginning and not much really happens with the conceit. There are times where you question who did what. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's what it was the whole time. Yeah. So, like, it's not like a a, a tremendously uh, interweaving storyline. But I kind of admire that, though. The, my, my, one of my big problems with a lot of noir stories is that they're just, they're just messy. By yeah. nature, they are messy stories. And that's not always a problem in something like Chinatown. It works very well. But then you get just I, – I, I forgot what it was I watched very recently, and I'm just like – I can't follow this yeah. i don't and i don't care to follow this anymore and i'm just i'm just i don't like any of these people i don't care about the story or their mystery or anything that's you know interwoven into this this movie to make it more entertaining it's just blah and the story itself is confusing me enough as it is so i'm turning it off mm. whereas like I, I there there is something about the the verhoven's the directorial stand here that makes it flow better than it would otherwise in my opinion i'm not sure if it's because i care about the characters though yeah, no, I, I can see what you mean, yeah. I feel like it's a little, I won't say, well, maybe I will say trashy, mm. but they sort of tease you with the sexuality, and at times you feel it uh, getting a little gross. And it's like, am I actually watching a well-crafted piece of entertainment, or am I watching pornography that is attempt that is attempting to draw me in, but not really pay dividends in the intellectual department? Sure. I find the characters not necessarily likable, but at least intriguing. I find Sharon Stone intriguing. Oh, yeah. But I find find her hot, too. (laughs) I don't find Michael Douglas intriguing, put it that way. Okay. Put anyone in that role and... I, I don't care. I like him enough. I do like him enough, and I've I've I sort of toiled with that myself. But I was like, you know what? I I I, I 
can't shake the fact where it's like you know what I I I I do kind of want to know what happened with this this big ice pick mystery that that went down. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to see him get stabbed in the face. Sure, you know, I guess. So I, I it's it's a movie that re- I had to reflect on a lot after I first watched it because I had the same feelings. Like, did I just did I just like the sex scenes or was I actually interested in this story? And I find myself on the other end of being like, you know what, I have to be honest. Yeah, I do kind of like the the story, and not enough for me to go like it's it's the greatest or anything. It's certainly not the greatest mystery the greatest noir ever made yeah but it's another movie where presentation you know makes it a lot better than it would be otherwise sure also a genre that doesn't really exist anymore funny enough like that femme fatale erotic thriller both this and crying game came out in the same year well serenity just came out i guess yeah serenity might be the closest thing to it (laughs) It totally is (laughs) Yeah, that was a big trend in the 90s. Oh, what's that other movie that I haven't seen with Michael Douglas in it? Fatal, Fatal Attraction. Attraction. Yeah. Which is so good. Yeah. That was a big thing in the 90s, not really a thing anymore. I think just because of where our culture is going. Yeah. But uh, no. you're right. Serenity is the closest thing we have to it. Yeah. yeah pretty much. <laughs> uh, what else you got for Basic Instinct? Uh, no, it's it's solid. It's a solid film that's, you know, very iconic. It deserves, I, I think it deserves a spot on this list, at least for for the sake of talking about it. Sure. Yeah. And uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone's awesome. Turns out, looks pretty good naked. She's, she's, <laughs> she's my ideal figure. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? You would have thunk Sharon it? Sharon Stone. What's wrong with Sharon? What, Not bad. What do you mean? Sharon Stone's really hot. Super hot. Is she hotter in this or Casino. It's got, I gotta go this. Because I find her really hot in Casino. I do, but she's a mess in Casino. But she's really good. Yeah, I know. But she, She's the best part of Casino, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. But she, like I said, her character's just a fucking disaster in that movie. Whereas <laughs> in this, it's like, ooh, oh, really, really, really nice there, crossing those legs and, and looking, staring me down. She's Newman. She's, <laughs> she's not looking at anyone else in the audience. She's looking right at me, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I feel that. Okay, pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's the weakest of the six. Mm. If I had to make an argument. You could bounce back and forth with that and Aladdin for me. If I really want to get like critical about this and I try to separate myself from Aladdin, it's pretty close in terms of quantifying quality, which is a stupid thing to do. But <laughs> I think it's an oxymoron, quantifying quality. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that is the definition of an oxymoron. Okay. The floor is yours. First prize is a set of steak knives. Actually, the second prize. What's the first prize? BMW? It's a new BMW? Hold on. Let me pull this up. Can I just do the monologue? Okay. Let me just do the monologue. Okay. I'm not going to do the whole thing. <laughs> you could play it. You could just play it right now. No, I'm going to do it because I was born to play this role. You stupid fucking cunt. <laughs> Who taught you your trade? You stupid fucking cunt. You idiot. (laughs) You are here to help us. Not to fuck us up. (laughs) I'm going to learn. I'm going to go down to Mitch and Murray. (laughs) I'm going to find out whose dick you're sucking, whose nephew you are. (laughs) So good. Who taught you? You never open your mouth until you know what the shot is. All right, here, I'm going to do it right now. Jack Nicholson at the end. Why? Because I don't Jack like Jack Lemon, you. you mean? Jack Lemon. Okay. What did I say? Jack Nicholson? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, said Jack, Jack Lemon. Same thing. Not even close. Same exact thing. <laughs> Identical. 
Jack Nicholson. <laughs> you certainly don't, pal. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Ed, I'm, I'm botching this. I'm sorry, guys. Ed Harris goes, I don't got to sit here and listen to this shit. And then here's Alec Baldwin in one of the most iconic roles of all time. Guy's name is Blake. He only goes by Blake. What a funny name for that character, huh? Sounds like a surfer bro from Malibu Beach. Blake. Blake. Only goes by Blake. You certainly don't, pal, because the good news is you're fired. Bad news. You've got all you've got is just one week to regain your jobs, starting with tonight. Starting with tonight's sit. Oh, have I have your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to get this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize, Cadillac Eldorado. And we want to see second prize. Second prize, set of steak knives. Third prize is you fired. Get the picture? You laughing now? You got leads. Mitch and Murray pay good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close those leads. You're gone. You Oh, no. Hold on. You can't close those leads you're given. You can't close shit. You are shit. Hit the brakes, pal, and beat it because you are going out. Takes brass balls to sell real estate, Adam Hall. Mm. ABC, always be closing. I see that. The underrated uh, thing on the, the the chalkboard as well. No one talks about AIDA. Didn't catch on uh, on as well as ABC. Attention, interest, decision, action. Attention. Do I have your attention? Interest. Are you interested? I know you are, cause it's fuck or walk. You close or you hit the bricks. Decision. Have you made your decision for Christ? And action. AIDA. Get out there. You got the prospects coming in. You think they came in to get out of the rain? A guy don't walk on the lot lest he wants to buy. They're sitting out there waiting to give you your money. Are you going to take it? Are you man enough to take it? This is Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm -hmm. A movie in my top 10 of all time. It's one of the greatest screenplays ever written. That screenplay is written by David Mamet. Based on his play. My boy. Of David the same Mamet. name. Your boy? I love David Mamet. Your boy. I fucking love David Mamet. My boy. Okay, whatever. You can have him. <laughs> <laughs> the verdict. David Mamet's fucking awesome. Wag the dog. Unforget. Um, not unforget. Untouchables. Mm-hmm. David Mamet. Uh, such a cynical prick. I love him. <laughs> I love him. Directed by James Foley, who you may know from some of his more well-known projects. Including Fifty Shades Freed and Fifty Shades Darker. Good for you, man. These are his top three movies. I think it's the screenplay that made that movie, not necessarily the direction. Although it's not bad. Well, the screenplay or the actors. That too. Here's the cast of Glengarry Glen Ross. Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Alec Baldwin, Alan Arkin, Ed Harris, and Kevin Spacey. Whoa. What a calvacade of awesome stars that is and stacked it's great stacked cast Mm -hmm. nominated for but one oscar best supporting actor for al pacino it wasn't nominated for its screenplay no nominated for just best supporting actor al pacino that's weird funny enough too that's not even the best performance in the movie uh no probably not i guess jack lemon jack lemon could be yeah yeah jack lemon's great in this yeah yeah, I'll go. Shelly Levine, the machine. <laughs> fuck the machine. Fuck the machine. You just said fuck the machine. Fuck the machine. <laughs> Spacey's great, Williamson. 
Will you go to lunch? <laughs> you have a lot more to say about this film than I do. Are but you I, enjoying this? I love this movie, though. Are you enjoying this? Yeah. I could go through it all. Yeah, I know you could. This is one of my 10 favorite movies of all time. I'm not saying it's one of the 10 best movies ever made, but if you're looking for what Nico loves in a movie, yes. this is what he loves in a movie. Yes. Pitter-patter. Just ping-ponging like table tennis. Dialogue. Great dialogue. Which Just, makes which is good. Why, why don't you like the theater? Do you like the theater? I don't like musicals. Okay. Yeah, I like the theater just fine. Okay. I just like don't go to the theater because I live in suburban Connecticut. All right. Not a lot of theater around here. We're very close to New York. I know. They're expensive, dude. Broadway plays are expensive. Yeah. I love scripts like this, and I love when the dialogue overshadows the direction at sometimes. I know you don't feel that way about movies. Um that's just like my jam. This movie is so funny. It is so dark. So though. dark. It is so cynical. The performances are off the chain. Mm-hmm. What it says about the working man um, is a kind of an ugly truth about humanity, but nonetheless undeniable. Um, the cast at one point in this movie described it as death of a fucking salesman. That's what they call this movie. Specifically, Death of a Fucking Salesman. Right. That's accurate. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's about accurate. There is no movie that I, I quote more than this. It's one of the few movies that I revisit more than any other movie. It's sort of like A Few Good Men on Steroids. I yeah. like them both for the same reason. And I like this more for that reason. Which is what? That it's A Few Good Men on Steroids. It's more in line with my attitude and my worldview, so... It, it's, it resonates more with someone like me than something like, I say, uh, A Few Good Men. Because A Few Good Men is optimistic? Mm. Is that why? It could be optimistic. Every time I talk about this, it makes me sound like an asshole. It's like, a film can be optimistic, but uh, I don't know. I feel like Glengarry Glenn Ross really sells its point a lot a lot stronger than something like A Few Good Men. Yeah. Or maybe it's just Tom Cruise. I don't know. <laughs> it could just be Tom Cruise. I mean, there are some good quotes in A Few Good Men. Obviously, one of the best quotes of all time. I also love the Demi Moore quote where she goes... Uh, they stand on a wall and they say, you're not, or they say, you're, you're safe tonight. Is that what it is? is remember it? that quote? I don't know. Because, because I, I remember Kevin Pollack asks her, let me look it up exactly. I don't Kev, know. Kevin Pollack asks her, why do you like these guys so much? They're defending these, these Marines that are accused of murdering another Marine. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, hold on. He's going to find it. I'm going to find it. He's going to find it, people. Why do you love these guys so much? Or why do you like these guys so much? She goes, because they stand on a wall and say, nothing's going to hurt you tonight. Not on my watch. <laughs> love that quote. That is good. Still doesn't rival steak knives. Second prize set of steak knives. It's Thanks. just so snappy and, and, and punchy and scary, you know? I love it. These are the Gangleri leads. <laughs> and you can't have them. Because giving them to you would be just throwing them away. <laughs> Incredible. The thing is, I didn't know what a lead was before I saw this movie. A lot of like the conventions, the business conventions, the real estate stuff is foreign to me. Yeah. But the movie is just entertaining on its own. It's it's almost like you can you can watch a cop movie without knowing what an APB is. Mm-hmm. In the same way, you can watch this real estate movie without knowing what a lead is or what a timeshare is. And I did, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the strengths of the movie, you know? Um, oftentimes, a business movie like this gets 
uh, a little cloudy and it gets a little muddled because there's so much detail. But it doesn't like hold your hand through it. It just sort of they throw out all of this business jargon and it doesn't matter because it's so entertaining. Well, you don't need it to be thoroughly explained to you. All you need to know is like, okay, these leads are a thing and they're very important and they matter to these characters and essentially their lives are on the line if they don't do anything about it. Right. And that's the that's the movie. That's the drama of any film. That's the backbone of any film. And as long as they can present that in a compelling way, which they do, then the film's going to work. Yeah. Uh, again, I love this cast. I like. I think Pacino is perfectly tuned. Yes, to this movie. Some people might say he's over the top. I think he's perfect. There's something about again the way he's presented as just. The, I, I I find all these people to be pretty pathetic. Yes, and there's something about the way they use Al Pacino in this. And I think it's also because I know a lot of people like him. Yeah, and who are just that overstated as salesmen. Oil salesman. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, no. For someone like I, I think for for a character like that, Pacino's. Uh, uh, his abilities are pretty well used here. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, like that scene where he's selling the guy in the bar on the timeshare. Yeah. And how he slowly brings up the idea. And it's like this art of seduction because you start the movie with that scene and then you leave him for an hour and then you get back to it. And it's like, oh, that's what it takes to sell real estate. Mm-hmm. Like it's. It is seduction. It's like whoring yourself out. Yeah. There's nothing wholesome about this world, um, but it works. It's effective. It's like, yeah, I would, I would buy from this guy for sure. Yeah, uh, I love it. I love everything about this movie. I love the ending. I adore Jack Lemmon. You're just sort of reminded that he's one of the great actors of all time. So it's such a sad ending. It, uh, what a great late period Jack Lemmon performance who gave us all these classic roles from The mm-hmm. Apartment to Some Like It Hot, mm-hmm. Grumpy Old Men. He's great. Baldwin, kind of a star-making role for him. Yeah. It's only one monologue, but he steals the scene. It's like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have Alec Baldwin in his current form without this movie. Interesting, yeah. And Alan Arkin, Ed Harris, Spacey. Three great character actors. Yep. Um, I love it. Not three great people. This is... I'm sure Alan Arkin and Ed Harris are fine, but Kevin Spacey, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> This this but like you kind of alluded to before though this is kind of uh it it's it's sort of I always kind of feel sort of at odds with this movie because it is everything that I criticize about certain movies in a in a form because this doesn't need to be a film it's no. a, it's a, it's very much just a play caught on camera yes essentially which can be a little frustrating to me it but at the end of the day it's like fuck well I can't really deny that it's very entertaining as a film you say that it wastes the medium. I don't want to say it. it sounds well, that's what you always say about movies like this. That they waste the medium. I, but for this story, I don't know what else you're going to do. Right. That's the thing about it. And for, for me personally, it's like I don't want to come down on it too hard because I can't deny that I was extremely entertained by it. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to put this one above, like, I don't know, the more visually interesting films. Like, I don't know, like even like Seven for that matter. Completely different films. But I'm just talking about the the way a medium can be used for its full impact. It's like even something like that. It's like, yeah, the, the the films that are a little more visually interesting and captivating to me tend to win over as opposed to something like this. Well, that actually transitions quite nicely into Reservoir Dogs, which is the next movie that we're talking about. Because Reservoir Dogs has a similar feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a play, but it's a limited narrative. Because it only takes place in like three locations. A lot of that is because of the budget restrictions. Mm-hmm. 
but also the script is very closed off and it's very dependent on dialogue. But what I find interesting about Reservoir Dogs is it never felt like a play to me. And I think that's one of the miracles of that movie and one of the miracles of Tarantino's direction. Yes. Let's talk about Reservoir Dogs. Yes. This is this movie. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's directorial debut. Correct. Starring Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, and Michael Madsen. (laughs) Nominated for no Oscars. Hmm. Not recognized by the National Film Registry. Ridiculous. However, Nico DiGiorgio also puts it in his top 10. I have two movies in the top 10 from this year. It's a very important year for me. This is Reservoir Dogs top 20. Top 20 for you? Yeah. Yeah, this is... um, It's one of my favorites. Love this movie. I want you to talk about it first because I've been talking a lot. Oh, well, as you were saying before, like the fact that it's... It is so limited in its setting, but we could only see it as a film. A lot of that is just attributed to Tarantino's like just raw and kind of aggressive direction at times, and the way he he's, he writes these characters in this scene. It's like, yeah, it's it's only in one spot essentially, but <laughs> what goes down in that one spot is something that I don't know could really only be effectively captured on film. Which is why, to me, it's like, yeah, no, this works perfectly fine as a film, even if if it is very dialogue-heavy, because, for me, the direction is just so pointed in that cinematic way. Right. You know, it's in a similar sense, I would also compare, uh, like, 10 Cloverfield Lane, if that makes any sense. Again, very different films, but there's something about the way those characters interact in that space where it's like, I don't really want to see them on stage. It, it, it feels more cinematic to me. Well, yeah, it's also kind of more intimate, too. That's why yeah. 10 Cloverfield Lane works... Because it's a horror movie. You can't really do horror yeah. on the stage. There, there's, there's some horrifying stuff in even something like Reservoir Dogs, though, in sure. a lot of ways. And Reservoir Dogs is the same way, though. Yes. Like, some of those moments wouldn't be as well articulated on the stage. I don't Thank think anything you. in Glengarry Glen Ross wouldn't be well articulated on stage. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the way they, like, show characters and the way that you sometimes lose track of characters in a scene in Reservoir Dogs and who actually got shot, for example, and stuff right. like that. And uh, it's a movie that's very defined by its paranoia element which i love in movies yep i love paranoia films more than almost anything and it's funny because one of tarantino's biggest inspirations for this movie take a guess well i know it it's the thing it's it's, it's the thing oh it's one of his i was also going to say kubrick's the killing no the thing which is, similar. Which is another one yeah one of it's uh he's he's I've been quoted saying that the killing among others but that the thing was actually a big inspiration for reservoir dogs wow odd right Kind of, but I could see it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. The claustrophobic nature of it, the sense of paranoia, the the dramatic tension. Yeah, the, I could see it for sure. The grittiness, the the violence. Yeah, <laughs> the violence. Oh boy. Yeah, the over the top violence. Mm-hmm. Um. So, my dad told me to watch this movie when I was sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I was into movies, but I wasn't like considering this as a career or anything <laughs> I, like i wasn't considering it as something that i could pursue for the rest of my life as like a critic or a writer or a whatever um i just sort of thought of them as pieces of entertainment that you go to the theater like at that point back to the future was my favorite movie mm-hmm. by by far favorite movie i saw this one and i was like oh <laughs> movies can be that yeah like you can make a movie in a room that takes place in one day and it could be one of the most awe-inspiring, but also disturbing and tense things you've ever seen. And you can reach the highs of Back to the Future in such a small space. 
and that's why it's in my top 10. It gave me Quentin Tarantino. I love Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. through all of his ups and all of his downs. It's like a bad marriage, man. But this is like Tarantino at his best. There are times when I think I like this one more than Pulp Fiction. I, I It's my favorite Tarantino movie, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That's it okay. Is. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, like, Pulp Fiction has a lot of meat on the bone, and there's a little bit of excess. Like, the whole Bruce Willis storyline, like, you could cut out a lot of that. Like My least favorite part of Pulp Fiction, I'm like, I don't care about Fabian at all. Will you give me oral pleasure? Bruce Willis in the cab. <laughs> yeah. Remember the cab driver, the creepy cab? Uh, Have you, what does it feel like to kill a man? She probably says that line like 10 times. <laughs> it's, it's just like, shut up. I yeah. Like, you could cut that out. And I love that movie, but you could cut that out. Yeah, that's, I think it's funny you say that. I think that's kind of a common consensus with Pulp Fiction. Like, we love the movie, but what the hell was that Bruce Willis section? Aside right. from the gimp scene. Sure. Um, there's no excess in Reservoir Dogs. No, this is all a, of that is just perfect. This is another one of those movies on point. You need everything. It just it's just like, like urgh, it's just so firm and it's awesome and it knows exactly what it's doing and it's just so like it's it, it there's like no fat on this thing. Yeah. And I love it. It's efficient. Yes. It's super efficient yeah. and it works as just one story. It's a bank heist movie where they don't show the bank heist. Yeah. They just show the aftermath and it mostly takes place in that warehouse. It's, like, um, it's one of the most like tense film experiences I've had. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. When Tim Roth was shot in the car, oh and he's God. in the back just bleeding incessantly, oh God. screaming, um, like yeah, that's just disturbing stuff. And I remember the first time I saw it, like I don't think I'd ever seen a movie that violent before. Yeah, definitely not. It's one of the most violent movies ever made, so it's definitely not the first. Yeah, that was the first time. Um, it's still those images stick with me. Oh God, yeah. I love the, the the makeup where he, I mean the classic uh, him cutting off the ear, yeah. which they don't show anything. Hey, can you hear that? Can you hear that? <laughs> but the, the the prosthetic makeup with the guy missing his ear, oh, it's so gross. Oh my god, so yes, fucking nasty, so effective. But they don't like linger on it or no. anything. And then they see pours the gasoline on the wound. Oh, <laughs> does that burn a little? I'm like, fuck you, man. <laughs> that would suck. Oh. I think I could do this dance. If you wanted me to mimic Michael Madsen's choreography here, let me use that. The hair slick. I remember I was watching like American Idol one time, and someone covered this song on American Idol. Did they do the dance? No, but I'm just like, do you even know? why this song is iconic yeah like the only reason why it's iconic um i'll tell the brief story of how this movie came to be and why we have quentin tarantino i'll just read this off of wikipedia i know i think i even know this one too tarantino had been working at video archives a video store in manhattan beach california and originally planned to shoot the film with his friends on a budget of thirty thousand dollars on a 16 millimeter black and white format with producer lawrence bender playing a police officer chasing mr pink Bender gave the script to his teaching or to his acting teacher, whose wife gave the script to Harvey Keitel. Keitel liked it enough to sign as a co-producer, so Tarantino and Bender would have an easier job finding funding. With his assistance, they raised $1.5 million. Keitel also paid for Tarantino and Bender to host casting sessions in New York, where the duo found Steve Buscemi, Michael Madsen, 
and Tim Roth. So it's just like the dream story of the kid that moves to Hollywood yep. expecting to make it big. And a guy knows a guy knows a guy who's a big film producer and it gets made and now the rest is history. It's a beautiful accident is what this movie is. Incredible. Yeah, I know. How many other Quentin Tarantinos are there out there that are working in, I guess they don't have video stores anymore, but that are working at a Hot Topic in oh. Hollywood with a script sitting on their coffee table? The, I, honestly, the it's... <sighs> Damien Chazelle kind of has a similar story. Right. No, but I'm saying the guys that haven't made it. Yeah. You know, just... There are a million dudes that are out there expecting to get their script sold and it never happens. Um, but it was just like the right place at the right time. Yeah. And in the 90s, they were a lot more forgiving of that, too. This was one of the first Sundance movies, too, and also one of the first movies that Miramax distributed at a big level. Mm-hmm. And that sort of came to define the independent movement scene, um, the independent film scene, I should say. Uh, the name came from a customer at the video archives uh, who requested Lou, uh, Louis Malais. This is all French. I'm sorry. 1987 film Au Revoir Les Enfants, but mispronounced the title Reservoir. So I don't want no Reservoir Dogs. Yes, that's the story. Exactly. I don't want no Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, that's where the name came from. It has nothing to do with the plot of the movie at all. <laughs> Which I always love. Terrific. I quote this movie all the time with my friends. I don't believe in tipping. I have a friend that doesn't tip. I and know. every time we go out, he'll quote to me, I don't believe in tipping. <laughs> Is it because of this movie? Or does he actually not No, believe? he doesn't believe in it, but he uses Buscemi's monologue as the reasoning for it. It happens all the time. Stuck in the middle with you. Why the fuck do I gotta be Mr. Pink? <laughs> Because you're a faggot, all right? <laughs> Incredible stuff. Um, is it an important movie? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Very important for that, for exactly what you were just saying for the indie scene, for Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Again, we need we need this for to have more Quentin Tarantino, and Quentin Tarantino is a very important figure in film. Is it more important than Pulp Fiction? Mm, I mean, we need this to get Pulp Fiction, sure. in a way. It's... I would actually say no, though. Okay. I would put Pulp Fiction a little higher on that list. It's like a... My closest analogy is always like video games. I don't know why. (laughs) My analogy for this is a video game, but you would have no idea what I'm talking about. What is it? I was going to say, if in the realm of like first-person shooters, you have Wolfenstein. It's like the first one. Everyone kind of likes it. It's solid. It is what it is. But uh, And it paved the way for other ones, including a little game by the name of Doom. Okay. And if it isn't for Doom, there's nothing. Right. There's nothing. But so. you need the first to like, like refine the form for the second. Yes, essentially. Because Tarantino was still finding his voice in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, exactly. And it's certainly there. Yeah. And it shines through. And it's one of my favorite uh, uses of the Tarantino voice. But it's not... It, you, you, it is a good question, though. Yeah. Because like, you wonder if... It, if you know, you, you kind of wonder what you give the credit to. Yeah, well, I think both are important yes you don't have one without the other but i think you don't have a lot of mainstream filmmaking without pulp fiction yeah i know that's so the thing. maybe that's that's what it is however this is the first use of the the structure the the oddly structured timeline so again he's playing with those ideas before pulp fiction comes around um the violence the dialogue the um the whole tone and feel the characters themselves yeah it's it's got Pulp Fiction written all over it. The white suits. Right. So 
yeah, it's almost like the story is not complete unless you see this before you see Pulp Fiction. Yeah, they're, they're like they are companion pieces. I mean, one of the characters is literally the brother of Vincent Vega. Yeah, Michael Madsen uh-huh. is also a Vega brother. Mac Vega, is that right? His name is Mac Vega. Is it, is it Mac? I think it is. Okay. Um, by the way, Michael Madsen. <laughs> why was that guy not a huge star? I don't know. That's a good question, though. He's he's excellent in this film. I, I find it very confusing because every time I see Michael Madsen, I really like him. Mm-hmm. And he's also like really good looking. And I'm not sure why that dude wasn't like put in a romantic comedy. You know what I mean? It could be hard to work with. That sometimes is the case. Sometimes yeah. they're just difficult to work with. Could be. Yeah. I always considered him one of the lost like stars of Hollywood. He's just done Tarantino movies, basically, right? That's not bad, though. I mean, no. Like, whatever. I'm doing Tarantino films. <laughs> I, don't, I just really like him, and I love him in this. He's the best performance in this. I think also gave us Buscemi, right? Did was this his first Buscemi? big role? Might have been, yeah. He had done some Coen Brothers stuff, I think, but this was his first he was, yeah, big role. Because he, yeah, he was in Barton Fink, but... Yeah, when this, was Barton Fink? He played like the... No, the when Bar- was... I know the bellboy, but when was Barton Fink? Was it like 91? Ooh, is it before or after? That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, 91. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, he had done a few of those, but this was one of his first big ones. He's great in it. Buscemi, even though he says Buscemi. That's weird. I know. He says Buscemi. Um, yeah, this is a movie that holds a near and dear place to my heart. Mine and is- I know it does yours as well, yeah. My older brother doesn't like this movie. It's fucking annoying. Why? I don't know. I don't know. My older brother has such weird takes. And this is one of the worst. I'm it's just like, like you not liking Tom Cruise and A Few Good Men? Well, I, I can at least back up why I don't like Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's better looking than you. That's why. Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> no. I don't like Justin Bieber because I'm jealous. That's why, right? <laughs> it's the worst dad joke I've ever heard. Fucking hell. <laughs> um... Wait, was Jealous the name of that album? <laughs> oh, no, that's Nick Jonas. I thought you were making a really hacky dad joke. No. <laughs> I'm criticizing people who, where it's like, I don't like Justin Bieber. I can't not like Justin Bieber because of his attitude or his music. It's like, oh, because you're I jealous. Thought, I thought you had incorporated the name of his album. In I, I'm not as brilliant as, as Nick Evangelista, okay? It's you're like, not good with the puns. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't, don't expect that from Adam Hall. Good point. What's the matter with you? I'll stop. What's the matter you're, with you? You're right. You're not funny. That's exact, right. Exact. Shut right. up, Nico. I'm, Jesus. I, I apologize. Stop enforcing this stuff on me. Unforgiven. <laughs> Directed by Clint Eastwood. Written by David Webb Peoples. Mm-hmm. I love that last That's name. That's a great name, Peoples. Do I love on the last... Mario Van Peoples? Mm-hmm. I love that name. Starring Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, and Morgan Freeman. Winner of Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Yeah. Along with Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Film Editing. Also nominated for Best Actor. Yep. Best Original Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Sound, and Best Art Direction. AFI says it's the number four Western of all time and the number 68 movie of all time, full stop. I get behind that. Is this your favorite movie on the list? Be honest with me. Fuck, it's close. I don't know. It's either this or Reservoir Dogs. There is something about this movie, though, where it's like, I, I, on a good day, I could swap these two. Yeah. This is my favorite Clint Eastwood film. Oh, God. By a mile. Is that even a question? Yeah, I don't want to sell Clint Eastwood short. He's got some really great films. As a director, we're talking about, yeah, right? As a, as a director, he's got some pretty great films. Like? Mystic River. You're saying Mystic River is even close to this? Yeah. 
Stop. I love Letters from Iwo Jima. Okay. And I don't mind Flags of Our Fathers. And I like a lot of his earlier stuff too. Like before he became like a more of an auteur person, you know? He's got he's got like like some weird ones in there that are sort of not great, but they're fun. He made a lot of movies like that. A few uh He's just made a lot of movies. Yeah. He made a the I think the third Dirty Harry film, which is pretty good. Is that the Death Pool? Or no, is that the, the, the Enforcer. The Enforcer. That's the, the Alcatraz one. Okay. Which, which is fun. Okay. Play Misty for Me, which is his first one. Um and then there's Million Dollar Baby, which is do you like Million Dollar Baby? I find it very depressing. It is very depressing. I think it's good though. I think it's good. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I, I find his movies to sometimes lack life because he's an old man. Yes, I know. And I also you know, just his style is very rigid and I'm not really very rigid into that. Yeah, no. Like every movie sort of looks the same and feels the same and has the same tempo. I know. And if you don't pair that with a really good script, you sometimes run into problems. I don't find that in his films in like the 90s or the early, early 2000s, though. I never get that sense, really. Okay. It's not until like uh, Gran Torino comes along and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can start to feel what you're saying. Sure. I don't even dislike Gran Torino. I don't either. No. But that's the first point where I'm like, oh, I kind of see what you're talking about. It doesn't become like obvious to me, I think, until, uh, oh, God. You know, I don't mind Invictus. See, I've never seen that. I don't think it's that bad, actually. I kind of okay. like it. Yeah. What's the one where it, it might even, you know, honestly, it might be American Sniper where I'm like, ooh. That was the first time I realized that he was kind of a shitty director. Yeah. Or at least had become a shitty director, I should say. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> American Sniper is really not good. And that movie was super popular. I don't hate that movie at all. I really don't like it. I find that's it a, to that, be cartoonish at times. And that's okay. You know? I'm not going to fight you on that one. Man, see the mule, though. I thought you don't like the mule. Dude, I have done such a 360 on the mule. You like the mule now. I like it ironically now. You said 360. Yeah, exactly, 360. I've went all around the world and come back to the exact same place, but now I like it ironically. Uh, okay. <laughs> ironically. All right, interesting. No, it's still, I feel the exact same way. It is still shit for the reasons I listed, but I like it. Sully's not bad, but you would have issues with it similarly. I didn't see Sully, yeah. Sully's... Okay, it's 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 a it, to me that's like Clint Eastwood's best cable movie okay. that he's made, and the last one I remember like like yeah the last one I remember like thoroughly liking uh, until it became problematic was I think Invictus yeah I like it I do like Invictus now that I think about it okay but I love uh, I really love Letters from Iwo Jima and I'm I have a soft spot for Flags of Our Fathers and I love Mystic River and whatnot. And uh, but this to me is definitely uh, his best by a mile. Yeah, this is the pinnacle of his career. Yes, it's it's that's what this is. But not but not just because it's his best film. I mean, it's weird because it's his best film, but also thematically, and I mean, what it represents for him personally. It's a movie about Clint Eastwood. Yeah, the actor. Yeah, not just the character that he's playing. Mm-hmm. The he, character that he's playing, in in essence, kind of is right. Clint Eastwood. Sure. It, yeah. The the character could have been the man with no name. Yes. In like modern times or I guess in the 90s uh he's sort of just a stand-in for all aging cowboys yes this is this is a character going on like one last journey and reflecting on all the journeys that have come before right it's brilliant and to me this is the film that actually kind of started a trend of films like that or at least not not it's weird it's it's to me I think feel like it kind of started that cliche that we've adopted a little later now like it's Logan yeah, I, Logan is literally unforgiven with superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like we've seen it a few times recently. Yeah. There was another movie that came up in conversation. Yeah. 
<laughs> what, what, what were we talking we about? We were talking about it recently, yeah. It, oh, uh, it's also, I guess it could be uh, the, the man who killed Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is sort of shorthand now. We say it's unforgiven yes. for this. That's what I'm, yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Old man reflects on his life and goes on one last mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never been done as, as well as in this movie. No. Really good direction. Awesome script. Um, underratedly quotable. Yeah, I agree. I love when he's talking to the kid and the kid goes, did he have it coming? And Clint goes, we all got it coming. <laughs> Amazing stuff. And this is not to be understated. This is an all-time Gene Hackman performance. Oh, God, it's awesome. He's so good as little Bill Dagger in this. He's great. He's And he almost is so good. It I, I find Clint way less interesting. Almost. Like when Clint's on screen, I just want to get back to little Bill because he's so evil, but also so charismatic. Mm-hmm. And it reminds you why Gene Hackman is one of our great actors of all time. Yeah. He's so good in this. You were right not to take it, Bob. I would have killed you. <laughs> it's good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Um, every, I, I love everything about this movie. I yeah. love every scene. I love every character. I love the, the... Even Morgan Freeman's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I love, but I love Clint Eastwood's direction in this quite a bit. It's yeah. a, it's another like it just it feels like it's about as refined as it could possibly be, and there's not a single uh, weak link in this film at all. Honestly, it's got I, a lot of heart and soul. Yeah, it's and it's again, it's, it's it's still very sad and dark at times. But like you just said, there's there's a tremendous amount of humanity in this film in ways that you don't see in westerns in general. One of my favorite scenes in the entire film is when um. They're they're on a ridge and they're shooting at people below and the right. guy gets shot in the stomach and it just like like what would normally be an intense shootout it just stops and they're just like give him a drink of water god damn it right I'm like oh <laughs> a western that actually has humanity that's the kind of movie we're making love it sure it's brilliant right the the movie it 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 almost feels more like a drama than it does a western. It's just sort of a drama set in a Western landscape. Yes. But aren't those always the best versions of those movies? Of course. Where it's like, it's a sci-fi film, but it's not really about the science fiction. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, yes, you're right. Any genre can be described that way. If you're making a pure Western, you're not really making a movie. Logan, for example, is better because it's not really a superhero film. Right. It's something else. Exactly. That's exactly what this movie is. Yes. It plays around with the tropes of Westerns, but... It's really just a movie about an old man reflecting on his mortality. I love that. I yeah. love it though. It's a complete subversion of the Western tropes in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's so good. The script bounced around Hollywood for a number of years, I think up to 20. Clint had the script in his possession and waited a long time to do it, which I appreciate. At one point, the movie was supposed to be directed by Francis Ford Coppola, Ooh. starring John Malkovich, which would have been very strange. You know, Francis Ford Coppola really fell off, didn't he? That would not have worked at all. In 92? Yeah, I don't see it. No, that would not have worked at all. No, he had a nice window in the 70s and that was it. And John Malkovich, how do you cast him? He was too young. I know. What is that about? Like, you need Clint just because of your baggage that you have with the guy. What does John Malkovich have anything to do with this story? Right. (laughs) Yeah, I know. that's a serious. I, if I'm a director, I would literally ask that. Like, as as a performer, what do you have to do with this story? Exactly, it's totally wrong. Well, it wouldn't have been as meta as this movie is. No, but that's one of the reasons why it works is mm-hmm. that it's a movie sort of about us and about yeah. our relationship to movies. Mm-hmm. And because Clint is in it, you feel like the stakes are much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love that scene with the kid as he's killed the guy on the shitter. Yep. And he's just crying over the fact that he did it. And just like old, younger generations dealing with this kind of thing and how it, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting explanation of why these movies kind of went by the wayside. It's great. Here's an unanswerable question for you. What is a better movie, this or No Country for Old Men? Gotcha. Why do you do this to me, man? <laughs> Why are you such a piece of shit? Because uh, they both deal with the same stuff, right? Aging people. Yeah. Yeah. The world has outrun them. This one's slightly more optimistic. And I mean that in <laughs> with like 57 asterisks. <laughs> yeah, it is more optimistic. Oh my god, what is better? Do you want a week to think about it? Oh man, <laughs> oh my god. Because, spoiler guys, we might be talking about that other movie next week. This, I'm gonna cry next week. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. You think about that one. Okay, thank you. You get back to me. <laughs> you get back to me in a week. Oh no. Alright, Adam Hall. Yeah. These are the six movies. I get... The decision, mm-hmm. but you are allowed to persuade me in any direction you would like. So, make the case, please. All right. Well, well, we can get rid of a few good men, can't we? Can't we? Yes. Do I have to argue? There are better films on this list than a few good men. Yes. You know this. We can get rid of it. As much Gone. as, and we can get rid of Basic Instinct. Don't worry. Gone. Uh, I know it's one of the greatest screenplays ever, but you, you got to hand it to Quentin Tarantino and Reservoir Dogs, maybe. Maybe not as good of a screenplay, but the film in general, it's not as good as Glenn, Glenn Gary. Jesus, I can't talk again. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is not better. I'm crossing off a lad. Okay. I'm not listening to you. That's fine. But Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is not better than those other two. It's just not. It's just not, Nico. Be honest with yourself. Pick one movie. My favorite movie? And argue for it. (sighs) My favorite movie on this list is Unforgiven. Okay. Why should I pick it? It's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's my favorite movie, but uh, I feel like the the smarter choice would be Reservoir Dogs. Why? It's just more important. Is it? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Because it changed filmmaking? Is that why? Changed filmmaking more than Unforgiven did. It's a bit more... Po- <laughs> what did you do, Nico? Uh, what is that? House is on fire. Shit. Uh. Well, well, see, as most people would normally leave the booth, we're staying right here. We're enduring this fire. How long is this one going to last? Oh, there we go. Okay, we're alive. Do you like how neither of us flinched when that happened? I don't think I moved a muscle. Does anybody flinch at their fire alarms now? That's really scary. No one gives a shit about their fire alarm. Not the fire alarm going off, my total indifference to it. Yeah, who cares? We're not going to (laughs) die. We're just going to break this window and jump out of it if there's really a fire. Come on. (laughs) So much for that. I'm keeping that in. I'm not editing that out. Yeah, good. I wouldn't either. Okay. (laughs) Keep going. Unforgiven. 
but I was saying like again, Unforgiven is just like it's like a perfect movie, you know. And that's this this is the crossroads I always hit. It's like fuck, like I w- I would say Reservoir Dogs is slightly more rough around the edges than something like Unforgiven, which is why I like, oh, it's definitely more rough around the edges. No question about that. Yeah, but like and and just oh, like everything works in Unforgiven. Everybody I know who has seen the film loves it, like loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. And it's 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 the high point for Clint Eastwood. You can't sell that short. It's one of his greatest performances, one of his greatest filmmaking feats. But actually, defined his whole career. Really, the, if we're really at now, yeah, yeah, if we're really getting down to it, to brass tacks, this is it. When you think Clint Eastwood, you think Unforgiven. Now, yes, and I mean it's amazing the fact that that could happen given all of his other films at such an age. What he was in his sixties when he made that it's movie, an right? Incredible. It's just an impressive film, no matter how you spin it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just, but then then I have to tussle with Reservoir Dogs, where it's like, oh, like as far as the filmmaking scene, it's a little more important. It gave us Quentin Tarantino, and you know, a very important name in Hollywood, and it's just an awesome movie. It's just an awesome movie that's in like everyone's top tens. Everybody loves Reservoir Dogs. Everyone needs to see Reservoir Dogs. It's like it is like the movie of all movies. <laughs> you know, it's one of those movies anyway. It's a tough, it's a, ugh, it's a, I have a deeper fondness for Unforgiven, but I would be okay if at the end of this, you end up going with like something like Reservoir Dogs. Glengarry Glenn Ross is, is, is not the pick though. It just, it just isn't. All right. Hit the bricks, pal. You're out of here. All right. Glengarry Glenn Ross. We love you. I love it. It's great. Okay. It's just, it's just not the one. All right. Let's look at the categories then, shall we? Mm-hmm. What's a better movie? You say Unforgiven, right? Yeah. By by a slim margin. I think you're right. I think it's a better movie than Reservoir Dogs. It's, it's I, I hate saying that because I fucking love Reservoir Dogs, but... Impact. Reservoir Dogs is a more important movie. Yes. Came to define the era. Gave us Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. This is the end, really... It's not the end of Clint's career. I mean, the rest is sort of a coda. Yes. But this is the end of the Clint Eastwood arc as we know it. Yes, precisely. Yep. Could not have put, sure. it, put it better myself. Began with The Man With No Name, ends with this perfect. Just mm-hmm. as a bubble, it's a perfect career. Iconic career. Legacy. I think Reservoir Dogs is probably up in more dorm rooms. Yes. But Unforgiven may be more visually evocative you know like it just sort of conjures up a a certain feeling that i don't think reservoir dogs quite does like i feel like you see that movie you see the characters and also like you hear the story and you think i've I've seen this before i know it even if i haven't seen the movie do you know what i mean okay like that's a that's a blade runner effect sure yeah, I, I think it's similar here. There's a lot of stuff in Westerns, including something like No Country, where the idea of the old gunslinger coming back home to take care of business, I feel like I've seen that even if I haven't seen it. So I can make the argument that that maybe has a fonder legacy, even though Reservoir Dogs, again, for our generation, is beloved. That's tough. So Reservoir, you're on the edge, right? Yeah, Reservoir Dogs certainly... 
it doesn't look as good as Unforgiven. Like, no question about that. Much, yeah. but it's an independent movie, so like yeah. I'm not going to hold that against it. I wouldn't say it's not. It's very iconic, though. We can't take that. I mean, oh, sure. Extremely iconic. Almost every scene that takes place in that little warehouse, whatever it is, is just like I mean, whether even just Mr. Pink uh, lying on the ground, not Mr. Pink, Jesus, uh, uh, Orange laying on the ground, uh, bloodied up, or the, or the you know obviously the dance number, or or the guy just in the chair like that. You know, any any one of those scenes, or just looking the, in the trunk when they open the yeah, trunk at oh. the end. Or the middle, not the end, the middle of the movie where they get the cop in the back. It's phenomenal. Or just them walking in the parking lot, you know, uh, with the opening credits and whatnot. Sure, in the suits, yeah. Yeah, very, very iconic stuff. It's just, if we're going to honestly level it against Reservoir Dogs, I will say this. uh, Probably not the most beloved of our generation in terms of Quentin Tarantino films. I have a feeling that most people would probably side with Pulp Fiction or honestly uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. It's tough. What are you advocating for? What is your official position? God, I love Unforgiven. I'll just say Unforgiven. Okay. I feel I do feel slightly better. Even uh it's, it hurts. Really does. All right, I'll go the other way. Reservoir Ducks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Here's my question. Had I gone Reservoir Dogs, would you have gone Unforgiven? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Damn it, I should have had the foresight. <laughs> Fuck. God damn it. Oh, oh, I should. Damn. Fuck. Oh, that so would have worked. See, this is why I'm stupid, folks. I'm a fucking moron for reasons like this. I hate you so fucking much. Congratulations to Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. He's going to be on it again. <laughs> so, welcome to the Movie Hall of Fame. Sure. Yeah. yeah all right. You know, good job. <laughs> I love this podcast. All right. Are you ready for this? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not ready for this. We had a long talk. We're just going to do it. We've been... Thinking about this for a while. The year 2007 is what we're tackling next week. We're going to attempt it anyway. It's a it's like climbing Everest is what it is. Dude. It's worse. We're going to try our best. So it's time to do the nominating. No funny business here. All right. Let's just play this straight. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's play it straight. We got a few that we're playing it straight for. I don't. Heads or tails? Heads. All right. You want to go first or second? Uh, I, I'll go first. Okay. All right. I'll get the less obvious ones out of the way. I'll just do Zodiac. Zodiac's on there. All right. I'll nominate Zodiac. No country. Okay. I'm next. Yes. There will be blood. And I will put assassination. <clears throat> assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. And now it gets hard. Yeah. You're up. We each have one pick. One more pick. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Hold on. Let me pull these up. Sorry, folks. I have them right here. You want them right here? Yes, please. Here. This is a tremendous year. One of the best... Yeah. No, the best year of the century, right? Of uh, of last decade? Of the century, since 2000. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could be. I feel like 2015 was a good year. Not this good, though. Doesn't have... 2015 was Mad Max? It was Mad Max. It was Spotlight. It was... That's it. End of list. Martian. Who cares? Yeah. No, this is the year. 
Oh, the mist. I love the mist. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, what the fuck, man? Uh, okay, I'm just going to go. To, so, Hitman. No. Disturbian. No. Live for your Just diary. pick one, dude. No. Well, I, should, I should go with the B movie is what I should do. Just pick one. Dude, pick your favorite movie. I don't know my favorite movie is Ratatouille's on here American Gangster We don't have all day Yes we do We're gonna spend two hours talking about this year next week We have all day I I really love 310 to Yuma Someone should make a montage of you going uh, uh, That's that's half the podcast every week uh, yeah. Pick one uh, it's Super bad did you just say super bad? Did you just say super bad? <laughs> we need one. <laughs> we need one comment. Did you say fucking <laughs> super bad? <laughs> what did you just say? Super bad. Super bad? <laughs> <laughs> Just to make it a, super bad, just to make it a little harder for you. <laughs> you know that's no. What, I'm doing Michael Clayton. That that, oh. that that isn't. That makes no difference to me. Okay. No, no skin off my nose, bro. <laughs> what a weird list now. Super bad, <laughs> uh, dude. All right, fine. Look, man, you don't want to talk about 310 to Yuma? That's your prerogative. I do want to talk about 310. Look, if you want to do super bad that bad. I don't know if I do. <laughs> you could have went with Knocked Up. You could have went with Juno. Well, no, I would take super bad over those two. Ratatouille, you didn't want to do American uh, Gangster. Nah, but I, I'll, I'll talk about Ridley Scott enough. It's it's between that or 310 to Yuma. All right, fine. Super bad. We're doing it. You have, but you've seen it. Do I? Ha- can, I can't take it back. I can't. I can't take what back? I can't take back Super Bad and swap three ten. You haven't do, seen. Do whatever you want. You have not seen three ten to Yuma. Yeah, correct. So let's do three ten to Yuma. All right. It's yeah. it's just as good, if not better, than Super Bad. <laughs> we hate him, guys. We hate him. Super Bad. Why can't I pick three ten to Yuma? We you can. I want. I would. I would enjoy three ten. Then Yuma. let's do it. I love that movie. They're just, they're all Westerns. <laughs> we took a bunch of Westerns, but that's, that's fine. So what's a good year for Westerns? It's, a, it's a, the best year for Westerns. All right. Okay. All right. Dude, Super Bad is not going to. No, of course it's not going to win, but it's Super Bad. It's like. Our... First of all, Knocked Up's a better movie than Super Bad. Eh, yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. I don't know. For my taste, at least. I, I'm, it's, you find Knocked Up, but you. Yeah. Really. Dude, I was I, I gotta be honest, I'm not a huge super bad fan. Really? The McLovin thing, not really yeah. my not really my jam. It's like our generation's like like Animal House. I know. I don't like Animal House. Wow. I just don't like what it represents. I'm just okay. not into that humor. Okay. Interesting. I think that's good sophomore humor. Okay. No, that's fine. That's a good list. Three ten to Yuma. Can we okay? I, I, we know what the big four are yes. anyway. I feel better about 310 to Yuma anyway. So, ladies and gentlemen, catch up on these movies for next week's podcast. Actually, five days away, not even a week. 310 to Yuma, Michael Clayton, which you need to see. Mm -hmm. Can't wait for that. 
No Country for Old Men, Zodiac, There Will Be Blood, and The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. That is all one title. I should rewatch that because I haven't seen it in a while. It's a long movie. It's very long. It's long. Speaking of long movies, we're doing a podcast about Interstellar this week. That's not as long. It's a long movie. You know why I know it's a long movie? Because I watched it again last night. Oh, yeah. How was that? We'll talk about it. Can't wait for this podcast. Him saying it's a long movie is not a good sign, by the way. (laughs) No. Uh, Interstellar. On Why Is This a Thing? This week, check out Cultured as well. Uh, I just did a new Nico show yesterday. You can check that out. Um, All the podcasts. All the podcasts you can use and abuse. Available on the website. Too many thoughts media.com or tmt.media. And by the way, sound off on this show if you want to vote in our weekly polls. Yeah. What movie you think deserves a spot in the movie hall of fame? You can find that on the Twitter account, twitter.com slash tmt underscore media. Sweet. I think we're good. I'm a little hurt, but I think we're okay. Good. All right. <laughs> Congratulations to Reservoir Dogs. Uh, and uh, that'll be a podcast. That right? a, where, where are you on Twitter? I'm at some Adam Hall. Cool. No other big movies coming out, right? We don't have to talk about any of them. Godzilla's going to be coming out pretty soon. Oh, right. You got to talk Godzilla. Got to talk Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, cool. I like Godzilla. A fun summer around the corner. As a matter of fact, I love Godzilla. I love all things Godzilla, even the, the terrible ones. We'll do a Godzilla pod. You want to do a Godzilla pod? I will. I will give you a Godzilla pod. Let's I will do give it. you. I will give you all the nominations. All right, let's do it. Maybe after twenty two thousand seven. Yeah. When does Godzilla come out? Two weeks. Thirty first, I think. When does John Wick come out? Ooh, that's next week, right? John Wick. I think it's next. Yes, next week. Parabolum. Oh, cool. All right, we got some fun stuff coming up on the podcast. There's stuff going on. Until then, 2007, that's next time. Uh, I love you all. Until then. Like a virgin is about a girl who wants a guy that has a big dick. (laughs) Do you know Madonna sent Quentin Tarantino (laughs) a signed copy of her album? Saying it's not about a girl who wants a guy who has a big dick. Yeah. It's about this. It's about love, I think. It's about, yep. Okay, Madonna. Anyway. (laughs) 